Happy President's Day, everyone. Welcome to the Human Events Daily President's Day special. We're going to be asking a simple question. Was America founded on slavery? Was the 1619 Project correct in that? I don't think they were. But we're going to have a discussion all about it. First, I want to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. The Poso Daily Brief at humanevents.com slash poso. That's humanevents.com slash poso. Read what I read is completely free. It will be delivered to you every single day. Save you from endless scrolling online. The Poso Daily Brief, humanevents.com slash poso. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to today's edition of Human Events Daily. Today is our President's Day special, and I decided to take aim at the 1619 Project today and to really focus on this indelible question that they've posed for us. Was America founded on slavery? Was the founding of America done in order to perpetuate the institution of slavery to protect and potentially expand? slavery in the 13 colonies. And that is why America, of course, as we know, the early and the early presidents led this revolution against the British Empire, pulled the United States, pulled the 13 colonies out of the British Empire, which was sort of the global international trade system at the time, set themselves up as their own shop, created their own country, their own declaration, constitution. Was all of this done? All of the stories that we've been told for generations in this country, was all of it done in furtherance of slavery? Well, to help me on this, bringing back to the show, editor-in-chief of The Post Millennial, Ms. Libby Evans. Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure thing, Jack. Thanks. So, Libby, I mean, I've I've actually did a little research. I know, crazy, right? But it turns out that POSO <laughs> has the receipts, as usual. British imports from the colonies, 1768 to 1772. Turns out that from New England, hardly any. From the middle colonies, hardly any. From the Chesapeake, maybe if I were being generous, I'd say 8%, but it looks like about 10. From the Carolinas, maybe 5%. Yet the West Indies, it turns out, the British imports, uh, over 30% came from the West Indies. Now, uh, Libby, correct me if I'm wrong, were the West Indies part of the original 13 colonies? They were not part of the original 13 colonies. Oh, they were not. They were not. So the Caribbean was not part of the revolution, at least in terms of the the state, the areas that rebelled. They had they had revolutions and rebellions later on uh, that were not connected. Um, Many of them were, by the way, slave driven. Uh, Obviously, Haiti is, of course, a great example of this, um, even though it was French, not British. But when when you look at this and and in fact, we're we're all taught in school about the triangle trade, you know, the triangle trade, British Mm -hmm. goods. Uh, and then raw materials from America become British goods. British goods are then sold for slaves in Africa. Those slaves are then brought to the United States. That's the triangle trade. But it turns out that the majority of those slaves were actually going, again, to the Caribbean. They were not going to what later became the 13 colonies in North America. And I think a lot of people miss this, that yeah, uh, the British Empire sugar, at rum. the time, right, for sugar, for rum, et cetera, that the, that the British Empire wasn't just the 13 colonies. And so we have this kind of warped view 
of what the what colonial America was like, because obviously there were even Canadian colonies that uh, ended up becoming mm-hmm. the Tories that were royalists that didn't rebel. And so and yet you saw, by the way, a lot of royalists move up there. This was the only time, of course, that uh, liberals actually left the country and fled to Canada, even though they always claim they're going <laughs> right. to when an election doesn't go their way. But uh, this idea that and you know I'm not going to sit here and say that slavery didn't exist. Of course it existed. We we knew it existed. It existed everywhere in the world uh, prior to the events of the the Christianization of the of Western civilization, the Western world, etc. That these are the areas where slavery was done away with. There is still is slavery in parts of the world today. Um, there's the fact if depending on how you how you judge it, how you measure it, there are, is potentially even more slavery in the world today than there has ever been in the past. And so if you're if you're looking at it in terms of human trafficking, which is arguably the same thing, we're talking about human trafficking of the 1700s versus human trafficking today, it essentially becomes the same deal. But this idea that, okay, the Southern colonies had slaves, but Libby, mm-hmm. did the, were the Northern colonies reliant on slavery as well? Is this true? No, their economy was not reliant on slavery. Um, You do have New Jersey, which was an agricultural colony. And so they outlawed slavery in that colony in 1804. The rest of the northern colonies had outlawed slavery uh, for the most part shortly after the Declaration of Independence, which actually opened many Americans' eyes to the horror of slavery because the language in that document is unequivocal. Um, I would say as regards to slavery globally now, I think one of the reasons that American slavery comes under such a microscope is because it was the last government sanctioned slavery um, that we that we really see. So now a lot of that is it's black market slavery and things like this. I mean, unless you want to talk about Dubai and the the. Um, the men there who are building Dubai and their passports are confiscated. That's a thing for sure. Um, I mean, human I trafficking we, is yeah. so people should understand that that when we're talking about trafficking, we talk about it in terms of uh, labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So mm-hmm. you see this currently in the United States. There's labor trafficking. Of course, there's sex trafficking. It's rampant in the Middle East. It's rampant in Asia, particularly Southeast Asia. And yet As we're supposed labor, to act. Yeah. And and as we're supposed to pretend like none of this is going on and the United States is the only country that's ever done anything like this. Yeah, certainly the United States is not the only country that ever had sanctioned slavery, but it is, I believe, thoroughly to our credit that we eradicated that practice and that we even went as far, you know, in eradicating that practice. We fought a war over it. It's interesting, too, we're constantly taught as children Um, you know, we're taught that the Civil War was about slavery, and then we're taught that the Civil War wasn't about slavery. And then it turns out that, in fact, the Civil War was about slavery, and it was about eradicating that practice. And our founding fathers, um, John Adams, who is absolutely one of my, maybe my favorite of the founding fathers, um, you know, was entirely opposed to slavery, as was his wife, and they fought against it really hard. So did Ben Franklin. I mean, you know, the founding fathers, all of them, they're, you know, Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Hamilton, Adams, Franklin, they all knew that slavery was a scourge and was not in keeping with human dignity. And to be sure, there there are, by the way, if you talk to someone from the South, and I know we have a lot of a lot of viewers down there that I'm sure someone will say, well, it was it was also about states' rights. We didn't want it imposed on us from the federal government. We were working this out uh, internally, this institution. 
putting all that aside. I'm putting all that aside right now because we are talking specifically here today about the founding of the United States itself. We're going to get into that after the break. But I wanted to also say, you know, a lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their company, their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. And less than a year, Public Square has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsquare.com. That's publicsq.com. Download an app today. Simply create an account and begin your service. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today, publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. And we're back with Libby Edmonds. So, Libby, you, uh, when we left before, you were telling us how racist the country has always been from the start, how much you hate the Declaration, <laughs> the Constitution, or founding documents, and that when when uh, the next time that we take our kids down to the National Mall, you're just going to be pointing out how the Washington Monument, while that's nothing more than a phallic symbol, that uh, the Freemasons have been in charge from the very start, and how really this entire country was founded on nothing other than the suppression and oppression of colored people. Is that right? That doesn't sound like me. I think you've got me confused with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Oh, I must have been listening to another podcast in my ear. And producer Angelo, you're fired again. That must be it. (laughs) That must be the thing. Yeah. um, You know, I I think that obvious, I, I think it's so clear when you look at the 1519 Project and when you listen also to the historians that came out after that um, work of journalistic uh, madness was released in the New York Times, complete with educational manuals so that it could be shipped off to all of the schools across the country, colleges, high schools. You know, it came with a whole manual of how to teach the 1619 Project. And if you actually read the essays, some of them are interesting personal accounts. Uh, the writing is not necessarily bad, but the facts are tortured into the submission of this ideology of the founding of our country that actually wait, wait, just Libby, does I not gotta, hold I gotta up pull to one. scrutiny. So, I got to tell you this one. So as I was doing some research for this, I said, look, we've only got uh, so much time on the show today. We can't bring up everything because I really want to talk about this, that that the the colony of British North America, the economy was not reliant as a whole on slavery. It just wasn't. Certain regions, sure, but those weren't the only regions that rebelled. There were other regions that had economies Mm -hmm. like the North, which was uh, primarily industrial, that were not reliant on slavery, that also rebelled. So just right there, just based on that, then they had widely, as as to your point, widely divergent views on the institution of slavery, (laughs) extremely divergent views. I mean, that's as a you know, a son of the Philadelphia area, very familiar with Benjamin Franklin and his, his outspoken opposition to the institution of slavery from the very start. But what's what's uh, what gets me is I actually saw this. There's a line in the 1619 Project, one of the essays. I forget exactly which uh, which one of the writers it is. What well, we can look it up later. He says that the system of accounting that we have today, Microsoft Excel. And even the Mm -hmm. spreadsheet itself is based on slave ledgers that the the entire practice of accounting. Double entry bookkeeping. Double Double entry entry bookkeeping bookkeeping was not invented in America. It was invented far before that. 
No, 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 no. We, we literally have evidence of, of this in Egypt, invented in Byzantium. I'm pretty Byzantium, sure. Double entry yeah. Yeah, I mean, the double entry where you have the credit and the debit, you know, and you can actually see things. And then it really came to the fore in Venice with their whole shipbuilding thing. And that's how Venice got rich. Venice got rich because they figured out how to properly account for things. I'm pretty sure that's right. For a while, I was really obsessed with accounting. I thought it was really fascinating. Um, I know that's really dorky, but it's so interesting. Double entry. We've, we found, we no, found Libby's, we found Libby's trigger, uh, trigger on this one. So double entry bookkeeping. It's all based on slavery, right? That nobody, no. no one had ever done this before. No, yeah, the Medici's were doing, the Medici not... bank was doing this in the 14th century. Literally. Yeah, it, that's because it was invented in Europe. Double entry bookkeeping. It's yeah, I think I think Florence, the the Medici's, mm -hmm. the Manu like I mean, of course, of course it was the mm -hmm. Italians, right? Um and it's, it was actually it, the, invented idea, sure, though, in Byzantium. Yeah. But it, it, right, it actually is saying I'm just looking at something now. It's saying that there it was pulled from it was brought there um mm -hmm. by by merchants and you know, I'm, I'm sure if I begin then I, Venice got rich because they were able to not only track what they spent, but what they earned, and they were able to track inventory. But maybe why would they do that? Why would they? Why would they lie to us about technological this? developments of the Middle Ages? What? Why would they? Why lie would they to lie us to us about us something about so obviously wrong? Just so obviously. <laughs> well, false. you can. There's a couple of different ways you could look at it, right? I mean, for example, they could be lying um, in order to prop up a perspective that doesn't actually hold up to scrutiny. Maybe they actually believe it. I mean, the you know, the best liars are the ones who actually believe what they're saying. Um, but there is this penchant for revisionist history in the United States right now, and we see it all over the place. We see it also on Disney Plus, which some of um, some of the viewers may have seen the reboot of The Proud Family on Disney Plus. There were some clips circulating of some teen. Um, some teenagers on a high school stage. It was a cartoon and they were doing basically like a spoken word thing about how the country was built on slavery. Uh, and this was the, this was the entire purpose of the the little song and dance. That and by they the way, Libby, I'm, I'm going to point this out mm -hmm. that I saw conservatives defending that. I saw conservatives. Yeah, it was that were not saying, particularly defensible. Um, I saw conservatives saying, well, you're just uh, your white fragility is showing because you are threatened by the the true history that's being uh, portrayed here by Disney. And I said, no, I'm pointing out that it's wrong. Number one. Yeah. It's historical revisionism saying things like Lincoln didn't free the slaves. I mean, you can you have an or not only freed the slaves with through. the Emancipation Proclamation, which he could have titled it anything. He could have titled it something very simple about the law or what have you. But he chose to title it the Emancipation Proclamation so that anyone upon hearing the title of this speech would know what it was about and know what it was intended to do. So if you're an enslaved person and you hear that there was an Emancipation Proclamation given by the president, you know right away what that's about. You don't even have to read the whole thing, which probably, you know, you can't read anyway. But you can understand those words for sure. Um, oh, but keep in, keep also, in mind, as we talk about the Civil War, we're still 100 years after the founding of America. We're talking about mm -hmm. things that occurred 100 years after the founding. So this is what the 1619 Project does again and again, mm -hmm. is that they constantly jump between the, found, the, the singular founding project and the founding generation of America, and then they'll jump forward to things like the, the, the Emancipation Proclamation, which of course uh, affected the Confederate states that were 
that had been occupied by Union troops first. Later on, the amendments to the Constitution, 15th Amendment, came in and freed the, the rest of the slaves in the Union states. Again, we're not going into all of the nuance here, but we're pointing out is you're right. teaching children, number one, lies about the United States. You're teaching them to hate their country, and you're teaching them that there is something wrong with them because of the color of their skin inherently, and that mm -hmm. is insane. There's also something very important, which is the history of slavery in the United States is not a straight line at all. There was an awful lot of nuance. Um, and in preparation for talking well, Libby, to you we're, about this we're today, coming up on a I break. We're coming research. up on a break here. I but really I want to get into that <laughs> research. We're going to use that, folks, as our as our teaser for when we come back after the break. Libby is going to explain to us the true history of slavery in the United States. And it's certainly not what Disney Plus So, Libby, I gave everyone a huge teaser, and you were about to tell us how slavery was not a straight line in U.S. history. Libby, are you telling us that the history of slavery wasn't all black and white? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm telling oh, you yeah. that. I'm a dad. I can uh, do there that. Was, yeah, you're allowed to make these kind of jokes. Um, yeah, there were black men, African men in the South uh, prior to the cotton mill and all of that who owned land and who owned slaves and who also contracted indentured servants from Europe. So, and these these men had good standing in the community. Um, and this was true for a long time, that, that this was acceptable, that this was all right. Uh, yes, there was probably bias and that started to rear its ugly head. And some of these men were later disenfranchised of their property, but it does stand that they were engaged in these same practices as the white landowners that were their neighbors. And they were all on equal footing with that. And I learned that information in a podcast from Slate in 2015 that was reported by Jamel Bowie. So I'm even getting this from the progressive. Right. So there, there actually was this mouth. period where in in the second Obama administration and, um, you know, a lot of wokeness came about in Obama's second term because, um, you know, I think he harbored a lot of these sentiments, um, probably because he got too many driving tickets, too many speeding tickets going between <laughs> Chicago and Springfield. Um, that he actually talks about this. He's actually mentioned this mm -hmm. before that he believes he was pulled over so much because it was because you were speeding. It wasn't the color of your skin because right. you're speeding. Senator, you know, at yeah. the time, state senator. Um, that's it. That's all it was. And 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 yet somehow this all, you know, I, I really think that all of wokeness goes back to Barack Obama's speeding tickets. And that's you, a really funny theory. You have this period where there were people in academia that were completely opposed to wokeness and would just talk about history mm -hmm. the way that it or, or I should say not opposed to it, but, you know, it hadn't quite hit yet. It wasn't it wasn't quite all the way there. Right. And, you know, I, it was interesting listening to this podcast about the history of American slavery because so much of it was just straightforward and honest and nuanced and really fascinating to hear the way that things changed, like the change. um in America to change so that the status of a child was not the father's status, but was the mother's status instead. And that was an adjustment from British common law at the time. Um, or to hear also about, and this is something I've read and I know that you've read, to hear about the founding fathers, even those who owned uh, slaves and who were engaged in that economy knew that it was not an appropriate way to treat their fellow men. They uh, wrote, Jefferson they is wrote probably about the most, it. They the most spoke about it. 
Jefferson was sort of amazing on this and he was very troubled. And so was Washington. They were both very troubled by the institution of slavery. They were concerned about the future and how harshly they would be judged and how the nation would be judged. Well, Libby, I think and I th they they talked directly about this. As as we're as we're and in our last of couple of minutes here. The, and they I, went I to highly their better angels. <laughs> They did. No, I, I believe they did. And and I would highly encourage everyone to listen to those those podcasts. You can find them, but also encourage you can find it on YouTube. You can actually find recordings of former slaves, um, some that were made later on in their years. Uh, the left never, ever plays those recordings. But I just I find that stuff to be absolutely fascinating when you can hear. People yeah, you shared those with me a few months ago. Describe what the, I did. I remember that. Um I don't even think I posted it. I think it's just fascinating for us to be able to hear the living history uh, and the fact that with the internet, we have the ability to find this stuff now and share it. That's why they're always trying to shut us down. But this this historical revisionism that we're we're engaged in in this country, this idea that we should go throughout all of the past and judge it with the social mores and the moral scruples of today, uh, this is a huge problem. And I think that for a lot of the time that we um, we judge people not based on the world they were born into. And that's what the founding fathers were uh, came about. I mean, you, to take someone out of their time, to take someone out of I mean, keep, keep in mind, they were using bloodletting and leeches and all these. We don't mm -hmm. judge them for that. We just know that that's the point that they were at at that time. And I think there's going to be things that we're judged for today. I think uh, abortion is something that we'll certainly be judged for as a country. I think that's also, you know, certain things that we'll take as precepts. Uh, just from a medical perspective, right? Take the moral element out of it. The idea that we we fatten ourselves with seed oils and synthetics and this, this plant-based crap that is actually mm -hmm. chemical-based crap uh, and tell ourselves mm -hmm. that it's health food, it, it's something that will obviously be judged on in the future. And so I don't think that we should necessarily judge them in in a vacuum, I guess is all I'm trying to say. And how dangerous yeah. is it if you teach I think that's important. That? Yeah, I think that's really important. And I also think that there's something else that we can consider when we do seek to judge these men who, you know, it, it's so amazing that they all found each other at the exact same place and were able to found this glorious country. But when we look back and we think about John Adams and we think about Jefferson, uh, Washington, Madison, John Jay, Hamilton, in a lot of cases, when they did have the power, they were not necessarily able to just go out there and abolish slavery outright, in large part because of the political climate at the time. And you had to get everyone that, on board. We think about, yeah, and if we think about that from our current perspective, how many situations and things are there today where we would really like to just have there be a decisive um, you know, decision made to abolish something or to uphold something. And people are not able to do it. Politicians, our elected leaders are not able to do it because for me, of it's cargo shorts. expediency. For me, it's just straight and up then, cargo shorts. Abolish, and the uh, criminalize, federal law, absolutely. Lock everybody up. Sure, but Trump's you know what I'm saying. Like, public executions, you know, I'm just saying. You know, not not for everyone not? who wears them, but maybe just, maybe the manufacturers, the makers, the importers. But Congress Please, is not go going to go forward with a full abortion ban because it's not politically expedient and they can't get it through right now. I, I don't so think when we right look at that, that, yeah. And so the country wasn't ready for the abolishment of slavery um, prior to the time when it was abolished either. And even then it was very difficult. 
Um, but is, I think that we need to what, consider that when we judge, when we judge our founding fathers, yeah, with this, we actually should be looking at ourselves with these concerns as well. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think that we also run the problem of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, that the Declaration of the United States, the Constitution, the founding of this country as a nation state, which was meant to be separate from the global system at the time that we discussed with Norbin Laden, the British Empire was the was globalization, right? We had globalization before it was called the British empire. They were the, the world government. They weren't just the government of, of one. The island. sun never they sets, were, right? The sun yeah. never set on it. And so the idea that the United States would be founded as a country that was completely separate to that, it didn't mean that the country was perfect. Okay. It didn't mean the country, it was, Hey, we're, you know, we're buying this thing warts and all, but at the same time, it also set forward a plan for a new nation that would be separate. They weren't, they weren't going to join the Spanish empire. They weren't going to join the French empire. They weren't going to uh, do any of these other things. They were going to form a nation state. Libby Emmons, where can people follow you? You can find me at Libby Emmons on Twitter, and you can check out what we're doing at the postmillennial.com every day. Hey, Libby, happy President's Day. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.